Hello, I'm Rick Lancaster. Thank you for tuning in. Grab your Bible as we study through God's Word together. It's my hope that as we go through these messages, that we will all grow in our understanding of God's Word. As we grow in our understanding, we'll also be better equipped to glorify God, bless others, and grow faith ours and others. If you have any questions about anything in this teaching, send me a message. I would love to connect with you. With that said, let's get into the Word and see what the Spirit would say to us today. So, Merry Christmas, everyone. This morning, we'll be continuing our Christmas series, The Songs of Christmas. I made it last night. I should be able to make it again tonight, this morning. Jesus is the reason for the season. We celebrate Christmas to remember the birth of Christ. Today, we're going to look at another classic Christmas carol. Hark, the herald angels sing. I didn't know it was David's favorite until this morning. But we're going to... Hold on. My Kindle just shut down, so... It's going to be one of those mornings. I can see it already. But first, let's pray, and then we'll look at that at that beautiful song. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this morning. I thank you for the strength to be here. I do pray for the continuing strength to do what you've called me to do this morning. I pray for the, the, the patience of your people um, to put up with the sound of my voice, and I pray that you use these words, Lord, to bring glory to your name. And to remind us all of, of your precious uh, gift to all of us in the, in the form of your son, Jesus. So we thank you for this morning, Lord. And we thank you for all of this that we're to do today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The lyrics of, <coughs> excuse me, Hark the Herald Angels Sing first appeared in a collection of hymns and sacred poems in 1739. As it's known today... It features lyrical contributions from Charles Wesley and George Whitefield, who are part of the founding ministers of the Methodism. I didn't realize this when I chose the three songs that I was going to talk about, as we did Silent or Joy to the World, or Silent Night, Joy to the World, and then and then Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That we've been. People have been singing those songs for hundreds of years. And think about that for a minute. Is there anyone writing songs today that anyone will be listening to hundreds of years from now? You know, maybe Beyonce, right? No, no, nobody. None none of the things that are done now. And so that really speaks to the, 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 really the inspiration of some of these songs that there's something powerful. And of course, really, ultimately, it's the message that have been that is being put forward. If you will, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. This, again, is the, the classic traditional text that we often refer to, and I'm only going to refer to it a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's look at the first couple of lines. There's a ton of theology in this particular um, song, so I'm not going to be able to unpack everything in it, but it begins with, Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. 
I'm probably preaching to the choir when I say Christmas is about the birth of Christ, right? We get that, you know. Even unbelievers can at least attest to the fact that that's what we believe. They may not believe it. They may not believe in who Christ is, but they have a sense, many of them, that Christ is about the birth of this person, this somebody named Jesus. First to him as a newborn king there in the manger, which was an animal's food trough, lies the king of the world. And, and, and Jeremy alluded to that. Can you imagine? I mean, it's hard to imagine what was going through the minds of Mary and Joseph as they looked down upon this newborn child. And, and, and can they imagine who he actually is? Now, they had been told some things about him, and so they, they had at least some idea. And, and we get a sense that Mary had a level of inspiration about, about who this child was to be and who he was going to grow up to be. But can you imagine, you know, if you've ever had a child looking down at, their, at the newborn and seeing them and imagining them as something great, and not just great, I, I, mean, I mean really big, you know, big like king of the world, you know, most of us might, you know, in our you know, wildest fantasies, oh, he's going to be awesome. He's going to be a great baseball player. He's going to be a great, you know, you know, mathematician. I don't know who would think that, but somebody might think something great of their children. But to imagine them king of the world. But even more than that, born in this humble place to humble parents, there in that manger lied the king of the world. And that's what the wise men from the east said about Jesus. In Matthew 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now I want you to notice there, not only did they recognize him as king, they recognize him as a king who is worthy of worship. No king, no human king has ever been worthy of worship. And yet these wise men come to do that very thing. So they recognize him as more than just king. Lying in that manger was not just king, but he was also God. You know, one of the ways that we worship Jesus on the day of his birth though we don't know if he was actually born on December 25th, we acknowledge that. We just, they just chose a date, and that's the one we'll, use, we'll choose to celebrate. We choose this day, and we do it to, to, to remind ourselves that he is our king. That, that we, we, are not, we, are not, we are not in charge of our own lives. While we do have independence, while we do have free will, that we recognize there is someone in the universe has ultimate authority over our lives, and it is Jesus. The next lines, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Through faith in Christ, we have peace with God. Through forgiveness of sins and access to the peace of God. We have access to it, but it means we have to actually appropriate the peace of God. And the Bible tells us about, you know, about being anxious for nothing. 
by prayer and supplication, making our request known to God. We have to do something. When we do that, it releases the peace of God into our lives and through our lives. Jesus was born so that he could be the sacrifice for our sins. And as the sacrifice for our sins, he opens the way for us to be free, to be free of guilt, the burden of our own mistakes and poor choices. And when we put our faith in Jesus, then we are reconciled to God, back into a right relationship with him. Something that we don't always think about. We don't always, we don't always imagine that we think we even need it. But it's always something that we need to be in a right relationship with God. That we always need to be in this place where, where that, that between us and God, there is no barrier. There's no, nothing standing in the way. You know, for those of you who are married, you know, that, that, that we always, you know, that we want nothing in, in the way of our relationship with our, with our spouse. When something stands in the way, it, it just makes it makes it harder. It makes it less pleasurable, and it and you take that and multiply it by a bajillion, and that's what our relationship with God is all about. We need to be reconciled to Him. We need to be right with Him. We need to be in a right relationship with Him, and we do that through Christ. And when we're reconciled to God. There's nothing that stands between us and him. And that's worthy of celebrating. The next lines. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. You know, there's very, there was very little attention drawn to the birth of the Savior of the world. You know, we think about that. You know, that in the whole world, you know, the world was a big place even back then. In this little town of Bethlehem, little podunk town of Bethlehem, in a, in a, in a humble stable, the king of the world was born. The wise men would show up eventually, not on the night that he was born. They would show up eventually, and they would get people thinking about it. But on the night of his birth, it was a silent night. And that is until God broke the silence. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know, there are many occasions where, as I'm reading through the Bible, I wish there was a video version of it, right? I mean, can you imagine, you know, the, the sitting there around a campfire in the, in the dead of night, and, and, and it's all quiet around, you know, the sheep making little noises and whatever, 
And then all of a sudden, this angel showing up, and then the multitude of heaven, you know, bursting on the scene and just it just blindingly bright and loud. And I love to have seen that. The world has some strange ideas about Jesus and Christmas. But as we celebrate, we can use this time to proclaim the truth about what it's all about. Now, we don't have to be preachers, and, and we don't have to get all super uber religious, but we can help people to understand better what it's all about with simple things and understand and help them to understand why this day is important. And maybe God will give you the immeasurable gift of helping somebody to make that, that journey into faith. The next lines are, are repeated at the end of all three stanzas of the song. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. This is a proclamation calling for people to glorify Jesus. We glorify Jesus, the newborn king, by when we would keep Jesus as the main thing at Christmas. You know, there's, there's a lot of debate and question about whether or not we should do church on, on Christmas morning when it falls on a Sunday. I don't have a debate in my own heart about it. How do you, how do you keep Jesus more at the center of Christmas than by going to church on Christmas morning? So, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I've done every, every, every seven years we do it. So if you're around another seven years, we're going to do it again. Just warning you now. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, let's enjoy all of, the, all of the traditions. Let's enjoy all of the stuff of Christmas. All, all of the stuff, all of that stuff, even the nonsense stuff. Let's enjoy it all. But when we do it, let's do it with Jesus in the middle of it. Reminding ourselves that he is what's important. Let's use all of those things and somehow <coughs> bring them to point to Jesus. The next line, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. All of heaven adores Christ. What should that say to humanity? If all of heaven adores Christ, what should his creation do? As we go through and do whatever we're going to do today, let's do it in adoration of our Savior. And not just that, let's try to help others to do that too. Everlasting at Lord, it says, it speaks to Christ's eternal nature and eternal sovereignty. Again, we're talking about the birth of Christ. Imagine looking down upon the face of Christ and seeing eternal God there. <clears throat> the next line is, Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Hark 
the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. The virgin birth of Christ is one of the key doctrines of Christianity. We believe that <clears throat> the Bible says that, that, that man was not involved in the conception of Jesus, that, that it was a, a work of God, a supernatural work of God, and we believe that to be true. We believe that she was a virgin at the birth of Christ. Another way we refer to the birth of Christ is, as, is the incarnation. And the incarnation is the reality that, that God, Jesus, as the Son of God, existed with God the Father in eternity past. And that at his birth, he put on human flesh. At his, technically, technically, at his conception, he put on human flesh. He veiled himself in human flesh. So he added human flesh to his deity. John 1, 1 and 2 tells us about that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. A little bit later, John connects the reality of, of, this, of this Word being actually Jesus. John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As Jesus lay there in that manger, he was fully God and fully human. It's this, it's this miraculous supernatural reality that you ultimately have to be God to understand fully. How can he be both God and human? I don't know. All I know is it's true. It's as pleased as man with man to dwell. He chose to live with his creation as one of his creation. That's, that is, again, one of the remarkable concepts you really have to take some time and think about. If you were God, bigger and more infinite than the entire universe, can you imagine yourself even wanting to be like one of your own creations? It's hard to imagine. But he had to do that. He did that because that was the only way that he could offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, our Emmanuel, it says, Emmanuel is literally God with us. And the better I get to know God, the better I get to know Jesus, the better I get to know the rest of humanity the better I get to know myself, the more remarkable it becomes to me that he chose to live with humans. The next line. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Prophet Isaiah used this title, Prince of Peace, as one of the titles of the future Messiah hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Isaiah 9, 6 for unto us, this is another, another verse is quoted often at Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Jesus is peace. Jesus is the source of peace. He is how we find peace. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Not only do we have peace with God, but we have peace with one another because of Christ. We can. It's one of the ways that we can glorify Christ at Christmas is allowing peace to be that which motivates everything that we do. Listen, we all, we all, some of us may have family gatherings to go to after this. And if, and if they're like any that I may have enjoyed in my past, they're not always peaceful environments. But we can do our part. The Bible calls us to be peacemakers. Especially on the day that we celebrate the Prince of Peace. Let us remind ourselves and others that today this should be a day of peace. The next line, hail the son of righteousness. Jesus is the physical manifestation of God's righteousness. God is righteous. God is perfect all the time. And to be righteous for anyone other than God, is to be right with God, spiritually, practically, mentally, to get all of our heart, mind, and soul aligned with God in, in the way that God calls us to do it, not the way you think you should do it. And we would be in big trouble if we had to get there on our own. We should acknowledge that. If I had to do, if I had to do everything to be right with God, I would be in big trouble. The faith in Christ does something remarkable. And rather, for, rather than us having to strive after righteousness through faith in Christ, I am clothed with the righteousness of Christ. I'm covered with it. Now that motivates me now to strive towards practical and mental and practical holiness and righteousness. But I don't, I don't, I don't strive after it thinking I have to achieve it. I can now approach God freely and openly because I am righteous in God's eyes through faith in Jesus Christ. And because we're covered with his righteousness, nothing stops us from going to God in, in absolute freedom. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have, to, we have to understand this, that no matter where you are in righteousness, whether you're uber close, you're really close, you're like you're, you're, you're Jeremy close, you're so close, or you're not so close, like Larry close, Larry, Larry Farr maybe, whatever, whatever it might be, wherever you are in the spectrum, you still have exactly the same degree of freedom to approach Christ, to approach God. You can just go. Why? Because you are veiled in the righteousness of Christ. That's a radical freedom. 
It's a radical thing. Nothing stands in the way. Jesus came down to the earth so that we could go to God. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. The next lines, light and life to all things he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Light speaks of truth and holiness. Jesus is, again, the physical manifestation. He is truth. He says, he says in John 14, 6, he is also life. He's the source of all life, both now and forever. You exist because Jesus caused you to exist. He is the reason why we are all here in this place today. And not just any life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Jesus came not just, just so that we could have eternal life, but he came also so that we can have a, a, a super abundant life today. You can have a life that is great and glorious through Christ. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be rich and famous and you know, have a billion Twitter followers, nothing silly like that. But you can have a life that is full and rich through Christ, right where you are. It's probably hard imagining that that baby in the manger, again, looking down, imagine Joseph and Mary looking down upon that baby and imagining him as the creator of the universe. I, I, you know, I, I, again, I try to put myself in that place. I look down on my children. They're helpless. They can't do anything. You know, they need Kelly for everything. I stepped in it occasionally. But here's Jesus. He's not only is he's this little baby, but he also is God, creator of all. In addition to, to, to life, Jesus brings healing. And, and while we know that as we read through the Gospels, we saw you know, examples of Jesus physically healing people of everything, including death. It's not just that. And, and matter of fact, I, I think those were the easy ones. What he brings is spiritual healing. That we we can be healed of all of the all of the garbage that life and sin and and the brokenness of this world brings into our lives. We can be healed of all of that. And we can be in a right relationship with God. And we can know and we can have the hope of eternal life in heaven. That's a healing. That is much more glorious than any physical healing. Now, I, I am praying for healing. Right now, praying for healing. Amen. There's other people, too. Lots of other people. Randy and Debbie, who may be watching this. Um, the Crown Hearts. I can probably list about another dozen families. It's like a plague running through but really the spiritual healing of which one of the greatest is the forgiveness of sins. We, I think especially as mature believers, which I think I'm, I'm, I've been saved long enough where I can say I'm a mature believer, right? Kelly's thinking about it. Okay, she'll tell me later. I think I, think, you know, I grow in my understanding of how, of how 
how important it is, but sometimes we lose sight of that. We, 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 don't, we don't really pause and really reflect upon how amazing it is that God forgives of our sins. We just live in the reality of it long enough, it becomes common. Next line. Mild, he lays his glory by. This is speaking of Christ's humility. Now, as a baby, he was naturally humble. But as God, Jesus deserved all the glory that he shared with the Father from eternity past. From the moment of his conception, he deserved to be worshipped and glorified. But to save us, he did something that is, is amazing. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, meaning being God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, meaning he was equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. From the moment of his conception. Actually, go back. Jesus was always God. From eternity past. When he was conceived, he was still God. All, all through his, his, you know, the time in the womb, he was God, worthy of worship and praise and glory. And all through his life, he never stopped being God. But he set aside the rights and the privileges of God. And he, and he took the form of, of his creation. And not just the form, he took a humble form of his creation. I mean, he had every right to be created as, as a king. You know, he could have been born in the royal family and stood up, you know, in the family of David. You know, he was of the family of David and assumed the, the, the throne of the nation of Israel on the moment of his birth. He didn't do that. He set all that aside so that he could be like us. He could be one of us so that we could relate to him. If he had been anything else, if he had been God, you know, a manifestation of God in a way that we would have perceived him as a manifestation of God, we would have had a harder time relating to him. If he had, if he had been, been born in, in the palace as a king, we would have had a harder time relating to him because most of us have no concept of what that means. But he came in the humblest form so that everyone could relate to him. The last lines of this beautiful Christmas carol. Born that no man more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Born that man no more may die. That doesn't mean that, that we will not ultimately see physical death. Unless the rapture comes, 
we're all going to go that way eventually. We will all reach the end of our lives either soon or late. But because of Christ, spiritual death, the eternal separation from God, that eternal distancing from God, really ultimately the giving what we have called for in life by rejecting God through sin, through just living our own lives the way we want to rather than the way God wants to, God will give us that, not just in this life, but in the next. If you read reject God in this life, then he will force us away from himself for all of eternity. But because of Christ, all of that is taken away. And that separation from God Almost all of us have known for some portion of our lives. For me, it was 40 years of my life I was separated from God. Now I don't fear that. Now I know that though I may die physically someday far in the future, I will not be separated from God. Born to raise the sons of earth that's the promise of the resurrection. Somebody say hallelujah. We're going to be resurrected. Because Jesus died a physical death and then was raised to life, we have the promise of eternal life. We have the promise of being resurrected ourselves. That though we may die physically, that, that, that is not the end for us. Born to give them second birth. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are born again with a new nature. A nature that seeks God and wants to please him. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. 2,000 years ago, the angels made sure that someone knew that the Savior King of the world had been born. Now, that job is ours. And as we do what we do today, even singing these songs, you know, making sure they're being played in our gatherings and all those different things. Come on up, David. As we do that, we have an opportunity to glorify our risen king, our newborn king. As we celebrate Christmas, let it be a glorious proclamation of our glorious king. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas. Heavenly Father, we come and we, we pray, Lord God, as we have come to this time and, and we've celebrated um, you, Jesus. And we, and we go out from this time and we do the other things that we, we do traditionally on this day. And we go to family gatherings, we exchange gifts, we, we do whatever we're going to do today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we find a way to let someone else know of what an amazing, amazing God you are. And the glorious things that you've done and the gifts that you've given. Lord, help us to worship you today.
Help us to glorify you today. Help us to tell somebody about you today. I thank you, Jesus, for all that you are and you do. And as we, as we sing this song together one more time, I pray, Lord, that you, would, that you would breathe new life into it, that it would have a deeper resonance within our own heart and soul, and it would, it would lift us up into your very presence, God. We praise you, we love you, and we give you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Please as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Risen with healing in his wings, light and life to all he brings. Hail the son of righteousness, hail the heaven prince of peace. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Merry Christmas, you guys. See you in the new year. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. It's one of my core beliefs that the Bible or Word of God has the power to transform our lives. It's my hope that these messages will help you to do just that and to glorify God and bless others and grow faith. If there's anything that we can do to help you with that, don't hesitate to connect with me. You'll find ways to do that in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find links to my sermon notes and other resources to help you in your study of God's Word. Sometimes we do need help to grow in our faith. If there's anything that I can do, don't hesitate to connect with me. I love talking to God's people about God and his word. So send me your questions and I'll do my best to answer them. This message was shared at Calvary Chapel French Valley in Murrieta, California. If you'd like more information about the church, go to calvaryfv.com. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, 
Stay in the Word and have a radical week with Jesus.